0: Welcome to Podland. The last word in podcasting news. It's the 25th of November 2021. Happy Thanksgiving if you believe in that sort of thing. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net here in Australia.
1: And I'm Sam Sethi from River Radio, the podcast first radio station here in the UK.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa Laporte. I'm the CEO of Twit TV. I've been running a podcast network for 13 years and I'll be on later to tell you all about what it's like to run a tech podcast network.
0: And also this episode, Franco Solerio talking about the Castomatic app they will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, used by over 105,000 active podcasters to host, promote and track your podcast.
1: Podland is a weekly podcast where James and I delve deeper into the week's podcasting news. And the big news this week, James, is that the Copenhagen-based podcast production company Podimo has secured $78 million of funding. The subscription company hosts more than 950 original shows and plans to move into new markets. James, that's massive isn't it? $78 million?
0: Yeah, $78 million is quite a large amount of cash. Uh, So this company is based in Copenhagen in Denmark and uh, has a bunch of uh, bright people working there. They were the only company that ended up being in the top 10 of the Apple podcast subscriptions chart that were based outside of the US and Canada, uh, which is nice to see. And um, their channel that was in there was uh, for some of their German stuff that they do. They're um, in quite a few European countries, and it'll be interesting to see how they continue to uh, grow out. Oh, and they're in Latin America too, I believe, too.
1: It's one of their USPs, the fact that they translate into local language, which is giving them an advantage over, I guess, Spotify and Apple who aren't really focusing on international language right now.
0: Yeah, I think that's certainly one of their USPs. I mean, Spotify is doing a bunch of international stuff too, but uh, what Podimo have done is they've jumped into partnerships with a wide variety of different companies, including iHeartRadio, to take some of their successful shows and turn them into um, shows in other languages. And I think that that's a sensible thing to be doing.
1: $78 million sounds like a lot. Well, somebody you wrote about has got even more. Um, Verbit, a voice AI platform focused on transcriptions, has raised $250 million in funding, which for transcriptions seems a lot. Yeah. Who are Verbit? I don't think I've come across them myself.
0: They do an awful lot of transcripts and transcriptions for, you know, court cases and for investor meetings and all of those sorts of things. That's what Verbit's core business has been. And they're also looking at doing more in the media space too. $250 million to get better transcriptions is a good thing. So um, yeah, that's, that's quite a lot of money that, isn't it?
1: yeah that 's that 's some real proper beer money that is
0: i mean you know it 's two hundred and fifty million, but it, clearly it 's not three point five billion dollars
1: <laughs> ah, now there 's the big boys with the big money yeah, yeah it, it, did he mean to tell us this is spotify's c f o Paul Vogel who was speaking at a conference in Boston. Do you think he meant to to let the cat out of the bag?
0: I think it's in their uh, SEC returns that they've got that amount of money in cash for acquisitions. Um, I mean, that's an awful lot of money. Um, And he was basically saying, we are going to be uh, acquiring more companies in the future. I know a very good uh, podcast newsletter. Um, We're going to be acquiring more companies in the future. And, uh, you know, we think that, um, uh, you know, we think that there's uh, still money to be spent in this market. So uh, to me, I I found that absolutely fascinating. But yeah, $3.5 billion that they're basically saying. Um, He was standing at a conference for CFOs in Boston, in Massachusetts, sits in the US. Uh, And he stood there and he said, podcasting was this business that for 20 years didn't change. It was a simple RSS feed. No way to do anything different. I mean, podcasts are 18 years old, not 20 years old. So slight exaggeration there. And that simple RSS feed actually can include all of the um, enhancements that Spotify has added uh, to it. And one of the fun things that I might do over this uh, Thanksgiving period is to um, do a little article which is basically going here are all of the new things that Spotify are doing. Here's the equivalent podcasting 2.0 namespace tag that they could have used just to really highlight that um, there isn't really anything special that Spotify is doing, apart from, of course, building it into their walled garden. Now,
1: we can speculate. I, would you say Podimo would be a good acquisition? It feels to me like a VC play to build up the company for an acquisition. That's generally the Peter Thiel model pump and dump, which is build market Mm. share or grow market share, make yourself attractive by getting the money in the front door quickly, and then sell on the back or IPO. I mean, who is Paul Vogel looking to buy or who is Spotify looking to buy if it's not somebody like Podimo?
0: Indeed. I mean, Podimo makes a tonne of their own uh, material. They've got um, agreements with all kinds of different podcasters. So um, it it could be that sort of company. Um, And of course, you know, if they've got $78 million worth of funding, well, you know, Gimlet was um, a bit more than that, um, as was uh, Podcasts. So... Maybe it's another one of those. I I suppose the question is, is Spotify still interested in acquiring more content companies like that? Have they had enough problems with acquiring large companies like The Ringer and Gimlet and so on and so forth? Um, Or are Spotify more interested in doing a bit more careful acquisitions of individual shows, you know, I don't know what the answer is. But uh, yeah, it's um, certainly interesting seeing that. And I think particularly, this is a company which has its roots in Europe, doesn't have its roots in the US. So if Spotify is looking to grow their European market share or to grow their Latin American market share, then perhaps Podimo would be an interesting company to buy.
1: Acquisitions don't always seem to work, though, because this week The Verge was reporting that Radio Public, Mm. which was purchased by Acast in February, is broken for many users and has been for months. So... Who is Radio Public, James, and why is it broken?
0: Well, so Radio Public is quite a good little set of tools for podcasters. It was made three or four years ago by a chap called Jake Shapiro, who now works for Apple Podcasts, and that's the reason why you've not heard from Jake Shapiro for two years, because as soon as you move to Apple Podcasts, you can't say a thing to anybody at all. Acast essentially bought the Radio Public product to be fair, Radio Public had sat and done not very much. A chap called Matt McDonald um, had sat and you know kept the thing running, but that was about it. Hadn't done an awful lot of uh, work in terms of that. Radio Public, frankly, hadn't had very much investment put into it, and clearly hasn't had any investment put into it since it's been purchased by ACAST. So that's a shame. ACAST contacted me, um, even though I was reporting a story from The Verge. They contacted me. And they said, um, oh, you know, the issue resulted from a configuration change made by certain podcast hosting providers, which isn't actually true, uh, and affected a small number of podcasters using such providers. And we fixed that. And we're also looking at how we better do customer service uh, to radio public uh, users. Um, which is uh, uh, fine, and it's good to see that they've actually fixed it. But, um, you know, Radio Public is clearly a forgotten product. And, um, you know, with uh, any of these um, products, it, it, uh, the question is for how long you keep those products going, I guess.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that I read this week, I don't know if you read it as well, which I thought was a good read, and if you haven't, um, I highly recommend it, was Matt Deegan um, had a good take on what he thought mm. uh, M&A was going to look like, not just from Spotify's point of view from the 3.5 billion war chest, but he also had a good uh, review on why American companies successfully, like Wondery, um, as you said, Gimlet, Podcast, and all the others, Gets sold, but there doesn't seem to be an acquisition outside of the US in terms of making itself attractive, certainly not in the UK.
0: Yeah, I think that's going to change. I think that's going to change in the, the new year. My suspicion is that we will see more, more acquisitions. Um, I mean, only today, Edison Research has announced that they are rolling out the infinite dial research into the UK. That's always a great help because that means that data that um, US investors are comfortable with um, will now be visible in the UK as well. So, that'll be a good thing too. I suspect that we will see a number of acquisitions across Europe um, over next year. And I think it's just a point that, um, you know, the European podcasting market is just slightly behind, a couple of years behind where the US market is. So my suspicion is that we'll see a fair amount of that sort of thing. We're certainly seeing larger companies, you know, appearing uh, now. Um, you know, we interviewed um, Andrew Crossati from Audi a couple of uh, weeks ago. There's Um, There's uh, the other big um, Crowdcast company in Salford in the UK, uh, obviously Podimo in uh, Copenhagen, a large number of different companies in France as well, uh, which uh, always do their own thing too. So I suspect that we'll see a fair amount of that happening next year. We should go back and uh, check uh, a year later to find out how wrong I've been. (laughs) And
1: talking of a year, I forgot to mention, we're a year old, James. James.
0: Let's just take a quick break.
1: Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from BIRA, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at BIRA about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters. Thanks for listening.
0: Podland. we are a year old yes happy uh happy birthday um <laughs> mr sethy yes indeed we are an entire year old which is a wonderful thing uh so um yes on what a year it's been
1: <laughs> we should do one of those christmas reviews maybe that because no one else is going to be doing one of those
0: no yeah nobody's going to be doing one of those that'll be a new and bright content idea for the 21st century Exactly. yes
1: <laughs> now One strange thing that uh, Chris Messina spotted, uh, and I'm sure you did as well, was Netflix and Spotify have come together to launch a Netflix hub on Spotify. And it includes playlists for Netflix shows and some additional audio. What are Netflix doing on Spotify?
0: Well, I mean, you've been on record on this podcast in the past saying that Netflix are going to buy Spotify at some point. And I think you, you you may be right. And perhaps this is just the first little date. This is the first uh, dance between uh, Netflix and Spotify. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of Netflix stuff and you want to go and find playlists and stuff like that uh, around your favourite Netflix shows, then Spotify has now added that sort of thing. Spotify was saying that, the you know, basically there's a ton of user-generated playlists and a ton of, you know, those sorts of things going on Anyway, so for example, within the first two weeks of Squid Game coming onto Netflix, Spotify's listeners had created more than 22,500 themed playlists around Squid Game. So, wowee, there's a thing. So, being able to pull those into a Netflix hub so that you can um, uh, see a little bit more of that um, is probably quite a nice idea. And that, of course, is one of the unique uh, things that Spotify has that other platforms don't have is just that wealth of user-generated playlists. Yes, YouTube Music has got user-generated playlists as well, but, um, but uh, they're all unique to individual platforms, and perhaps that's one of Spotify's bits of secret sauce there. Mm.
1: They won't uh, bring video across, will they? I mean, I know that Spotify started to expand its video player you won't see more video coming across from Netflix would you
0: perhaps i guess in time if this uh, if this first date is a success you could perhaps see the joe rogan podcast appearing on Netflix in the future why would that not happen so it's um early doors but well worth watching i think
1: hmm. now a story that i was surprised about because i'm not really a samsung fan you know i don't use those uh, strange android tools that you use um but samsung has suddenly have they suddenly entered the market they're just so off my radar but this week they launched a a listen tab here in europe and now you can add your own podcasts into uk germany switzerland austria spain france and italy so they've really gone for a european play Um, i did add some of my podcasts just to see what it was like it's pretty simple to do but why is samsung getting into this market now
0: I think one of the things that Samsung have been doing over the last year is getting more involved into content. And Samsung Free, which is, I believe, an app which is um, automatically installed on every Samsung Galaxy phone, has been available in the US for some time and in the and in Europe for some time. They added a podcast tab about three or four months ago in the US, and they've just added that now in uh, some of these European countries and in the UK as well. So from that point of view, um, Uh, That's quite interesting seeing. I mean, Samsung, if you look at their smart TVs, for example, they've added a thing called Samsung Live, which is a a set of uh, TV channels that you can watch. So if you're in the UK, for example, you can watch CNN International on your Samsung Smart TV um, and a bunch of other channels as well. Um, they've uh, helpfully not geoblocked those uh, individual uh, streams as well, which is uh, very handy. Thank you, Samsung. Um, so uh, there's a bunch of uh, that sort of stuff going on. So it does look as if Samsung is <laughs> yes. realising that, yes, they're in the hardware game, but they can also be in the content game as well. So interesting to see what that means in terms of podcasts. Uh, I gather that podcasts are doing quite well in this um new app some of the podcast hosts are seeing quite a lot of downloads from this uh, new samsung app so um should be interesting to see what happens there and they
1: haven't stopped really on the phone the samsung smart tv uh has a new app from deezer where you can also add podcasts so i decided to go to deezer because i ignored deezer for years and added some podcasts there as well so Maybe it's just a good way of getting people to add more podcasts. But why Deezer? I mean, it seems a very odd partnership.
0: Yeah, well, you know, anybody can launch a app for a Samsung smart TV if you can be bothered to code the thing. And Deezer have obviously felt that it's a good plan um, to refresh their app. They had an app in the past, but they've obviously felt that it's a good plan to refresh that app and make it better. Uh, and that's what they've done. And that uh, now includes podcasts. So if you're a Deezer subscriber then you can punch up your favourite podcast on your Samsung smart TV. I'm in the market for a a new TV um, when they finished bashing my house apart. So um, I'm quite looking forward to uh, working out whether or not I take the plunge and go back to a Samsung TV, which was quite nice. Uh, or whether or not I should be going for something else. Frankly, I just want a large, decent screen that I can plug in a couple of HDMI cables into. So probably won't be a Samsung Smart TV, but we'll see.
1: It's Black Friday, James. You know, maybe now's the time to open that wallet of yours.
0: It, it is Black Friday, but no. There are still two more walls that need to be taken down in, in this house, and so I'm desperately waiting to... Uh, Um, uh, until all of that is finished prior to buying any more electricity gadgetry. So, uh, yeah, but uh, still...
1: There you go. Sounds like you should just move house. It sounds quicker. Anyway.
0: <laughs> You're absolutely right. but can't afford to move house. My goodness. House prices here in Brisbane have gone up by 25% in the last year. 25%! It's uh, it's all gone a little bit mad as people have tr- been desperately trying to escape Sydney and Melbourne. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the place to be doing Renaults in, I'll tell you. Oh, I,
1: I thought it was more to do with the Olympics coming to you boys, but there you go.
0: Well, yes, and that too.
1: Now, new technology company, Sonnet, could give old podcasts a new boost of life. Uh, They've got a new product, an archival retrieval that automatically checks trending topics to find relevant podcasts from your archives to promote or even clip the audios for you. Have you tried Sonic? Because this sounds very much like Disco from Headliner.
0: Yeah, this, I think, is a, a similar thing to Disco from Headliner. What this uh, enables you to do is it basically goes through your entire podcast archive, um, but it automatically works out what is currently trending on social media and then works out what content you have that will go with whatever is actually trending. So say, for example, that there's a big, nice, positive news story coming out of um, uh, Austria at the moment. Not that there is, but let's just assume that there is. If you've done shows about Austria in the past, then it will automatically clip... A nice um, bit from that particular podcast will make a video to go with it and will essentially allow you to share that piece of audio on your social media platforms completely automatically. It's an Australian thing, comes from Melbourne. And interestingly, the company uh, which runs it, Sonant was invested in by SCA, by one of the big commercial broadcasters uh, here. So clearly they see that there's some future there uh, in uh, how it works. But um, to me, that looks like a very clever way of using you know, new technology to uh, grab old content that you have and uh, get more value out of it. I think it's very clever.
1: Bleed the content, as they say. Bleed it dry. Now, Mm. Chartable has launched Smart Feeds, a new tool that mirrors your RSS feed and makes it easier to switch podcast hosts and enable Chartable analytics. Brian Barletta from Sounds Profitable was raving about this as a feature. He thought it was great. I'm not quite sure I understand why you need to mirror your RSS feed and what the benefit
0: is. Well, I think there are two benefits here. So um, There are a few companies that allow you to mirror your RSS feed. And what that essentially means is instead of giving out your podcast host's name and address when, you are sh- uh, when you're listing your podcast, which means that you are rather more stuck with that podcast host, you give out Chartables Mirror instead. And that then means that you can move where your podcast is and you don't have to tell anybody, you don't have to hope that everybody realises that your podcast feed has changed because they're all getting it from this mirror. So there's a good benefit there in terms of that. I think what Chartable are doing here is, they've, is they're also adding a bunch of their analytics on the top of that to make it easier for you to do the Chartable analytics and measurement that uh, Chartable ends up doing. One of the things that I've suggested to Dave is that um, you take that Chartable feed, but you can also add additional podcasting 2.0 tags uh, into that. I think that might be an interesting way of also, therefore enabling podcast index tags for um, podcast hosts that don't currently support them. Uh, so that might be quite an interesting uh, plan. To me, I think that that's um, quite a neat and quite a clever thing that um, that they're uh, doing. CurioCaster has a CurioCaster RSS generator, which does exactly that too, by the way. Um, but it's a self-hosted thing, so you need a server to host that on. Uh, but that might be another alternative if that's the sort of thing that you're having a look at. Now-
1: Now, Brian, again, talking of our friend Brian, he was a little bit miffed this week about Apple. Um, Have you given Apple any ratings recently for their
0: app? I haven't, but uh, by the looks of it, quite a few people have. And they've given some very high ratings and they've said, we love this podcast which isn't really what they should be rating the app on. They should be rating the app on the app and then going into the podcast to rate that. But what that is essentially meant is that Apple has ended up now, I think it's at 4.8. It was really low. It was, you know, in the ones. um, But um, some um, quite clever... Uh, I'm sure that they haven't done this on purpose, but some quite clever mistakes by Apple um, have meant that people have seen the vote, uh, you know, give us a rating uh, and assumes that give us a rating actually means a great podcast and not uh, you're actually rating the app itself. Uh, So it's quite interesting that.
1: Badly worded or well-worded, depending on which way you're looking at it.
0: (laughs) Yes, quite possibly. But I mean, you know, Apple is fascinating. The Apple Podcast app is fascinating because in this week sounds profitable. Brian talks very much around the amount of promotion that Apple is currently giving Apple Podcasts paid subscriptions. Uh, And that is where they are really doubling down on the promotion that they're giving. And uh, what Brian was suggesting is that you should probably look at a paid channel because that way Apple will promote the heck out of you Um, so maybe that's what we should be doing, I don't know but um, I thought it was an interesting point by uh, Brian having a look at that Mm.
1: Now Verbal uh, a platform I've not really used myself has come out of beta and it's adding more advertising to the platform the company offers revenue share but says it's currently honouring requests to keep your station ad free and of course it's doing what everyone else seems to be doing, which is click here to claim your podcast. Who or what is verbal, James?
0: I think it's trying to be another YouTube of podcasting. So it's pulling in a bunch of RSS feeds. But it's also a place where you can upload individual clips of audio and do all of that stuff. It's quite a nice looking uh, platform, um, seems to work quite nicely, has comments and things like that in there as well. Um, But what it is doing is it's, it's adding more advertising now into the platform to pay for itself. And of course, you know, that necessarily means that if you listen to pod news on verbal, then you might hear an ad and that ad is going to be from verbal, not from pod news. Um, So hopefully it won't be anything bad. But um, that's sort of, you know, where they are. I wrote a piece in my personal blog this week about the unwritten contracts between podcast apps and podcast publishers. I think that's getting close to the edge of that. I think, you know, adding audio advertising is um, beginning just to sort of push the boundaries there a little bit. But, um, you know, at least they are saying that you can opt out of that and, th- and that's all fine.
1: They're not the only company that says claim your podcast here. It feels like this week for me with Samsung and Deezer and Verbal. Uh, it's everyone's going for a land grab of claim your podcast. But having said that, good pods, which... Um, we looked at a couple of weeks ago, have been emailing podcasters using the email addresses they found in the RSS feeds. And that's upset the pod father a little bit, I believe. What's good pods done? Or Bad Pods, as they should be now called.
0: (laughs) So Good Pods, it's a pretty good app. It's um, quite nicely done. But again, you know, they are asking you as podcasters to claim your feed. Um, They're asking you to go in and enter your Patreon details or your Venmo details or any of that stuff so that you can get a tip button within the Good Pods app. And that's all fine. And the problem with RSS is that, you know, you do have to do this claiming dance with quite a lot of different places now. I suppose there's two bad things out of that. Firstly, they're just um, uh, emailing the email addresses that appear in RSS feeds, which isn't actually legal in Europe is legal in many other parts of the world but isn't actually legal in Europe. Secondly, as Adam Curry rightly says, there's a tag for that and it's called the podcast funding tag and if you support it, as PodNews podcast pages do, then you can grab the Patreon information or the PayPal information or whatever it is that you want in your tip jar. You can grab that automatically from the RSS feed and put that onto the Uh, onto the app. So that's all that basically good pods are doing. They've ignored the evidence of the podcast funding tag, or indeed they've ignored just looking through the description text to find any link to Patreon or to PayPal, and they're requiring you to download the app and then claim your podcast. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those uh, frustrating things, I guess, in terms of how RSS works and how there's no real easy way to claim a podcast through an RSS feed. And perhaps that's something that we should be having a look at, maybe. Hmm. How many
1: companies do you think support the funding tag right now?
0: Companies in terms of um, podcast hosts or podcast apps?
1: Podcast apps. I was going to say you could use your new super duper filter now on PodNews to find out.
0: Yeah, you could do. I don't think it's as many as it should be. And I think if more podcasters were demanding that it was used, then I think that that would be helpful. I mean, again, it's it's the typical chicken and egg that we have in an open uh, ecosystem where there is this new tag. It's pretty good for this sort of thing. Um, we would like um, uh, podcast hosts to use it, but podcast hosts won't do it until podcast apps are using it, and podcast apps won't use it until podcast hosts are using it. So we have this sort of, you know, impasse in terms of where we are. So uh, yeah, it would be really good if someone, anyone, was to um, put their foot forward and going, yes, we will support the podcast funding tag, and somebody like Good Pods doing that would, I think, be really helpful. In the uptake of the podcast funding tag, yeah.
1: Well, I've got some good news for you, James, because I caught up with Franco Soleri from Castomatic, uh, and he actually currently supports the funding tag already in the version 7. They just released version 8 and I thought I'd catch up with him to find out what was new in
3: version 8. Customatic 8 is all about uh, podcasting 2.0 features. I've been looking at uh, podcasting 2.0 discussions on, on the social, on Mastodon for some time. And uh, at the beginning of last summer, I had to mind on what to focus. Usually summer is a big moment to study and to work on new features. Uh, developing software programming is not my my first uh, job. I work as a medical doctor. And usually summer work is a little slower. In August, time free. I'm on vacation, and usually I focus on developing. And it's the moment when new stuff come out, usually new stuff from Apple, new APIs. But this year, new APIs weren't so revolutionary. I thought that it was time. I've been studying to implement searching for new podcasts on Podcast Index, and that was really easy to add to the app. And users were were very happy of this. And I thought that it would be good to to look for innovation in, in this field, in, in podcasting 2.0. Because I think that in, in a place like podcasting, which is open, which is standard, it's good to make innovation that can be brought uh, forward from the community, from everybody. Everybody can do it. It's not an exclusive. It's something that every podcast can use and... Any app can can copy and do the same. And one of the most uh, important things that I saw in Podcasting 2.0 was the possibility to be supported for podcasters, for producers to be supported by their listeners. I'm, I'm Italian. I've been podcasting uh, since 2005. And in Italy, podcasting is a little different than from the States and from English-speaking countries because there are not so many people in the world speaking English. I checked last day on on Wikipedia. One billion and a half persons know English as a first or a second language in the world. One billion and a half. Only 85 millions speak Italian in the world. The numbers are very little and reaching a big enough audience so that advertisers can come to you and offer you money is very difficult. I think almost nobody in Italy does podcasting, exclusively podcasting for a living. There are people that are famous on their parts and, and, and have some money from podcasting, but there's no, I don't know, Joe Rogan, there's no Leo Laporte in Italy, there's no Adam Curry in Italy. And uh, having an alternative, having a, a, a smooth way so that, uh, that uh, listeners can support their, their favorite podcasters with, with no friction, automatically, directly inside the, the app they already use to, to listen to, to the shows, it looked to me like, like some sort of revolution. And I worked mm. on that and I'm, I'm very happy for that. So value for value is the one thing that you have implemented here in this version. How easy was it? Uh, It wasn't the the easiest thing that I've done, but it wasn't the the, the least difficult there. In the first days, I tried to study how to directly interact with the Lightning node. And that was very difficult because this stuff is is new, is really geeky, and it's continuously evolving. Then uh, speaking with Dave Jones, he suggested me to speak to the LMP guys. And uh, Tim from LMP, showed me the, the APIs, he directed me to the documentation. He made a, a really good service that makes it very easy for developers to interact with, to, to make wallets, to send payments, to receive payments. And that what really made the Customatic possible in, in just a month of work. Otherwise, it was probably many months of work. So it must have been very exciting when you
1: first saw your first boost go straight through the first yeah. value for value payment. Do
3: you know who that was from? Oh, I don't know. I, obviously, I made a lot of those during the testing phase. So it's like when you're programming audio. When you're programming audio, you for days and days, you only hear static. What, what's wrong? And then you change a little thing. And music come out. What's this? It's a miracle. And it's the same for payments for Satoshi. The first time I I managed to send uh, a payment was really a success. And I think during big taste, probably Dave Jones was the first one outside of my house that, that sent a boost. And, and it was, yes, it was very emotional. <laughs> yes, the pod sage himself. Now, what are the podcast index 2.0 features do you currently support currently i support searching on the podcast index uh, value for value and the the funding tag where people can specify a web page where standard methods of payments are possible paypal uh, stuff like that you also support Mm -hmm. chapters though don't you Oh yes, chapters, of course. I I, I always forget about that. Yes, <laughs> Castomatic has been supporting MP3 chapters uh, written inside the MP3 tags for a couple of years. And many podcasters already use those. But it wasn't that difficult. Mm. Yeah. A couple of weeks of work. And given that you're looking at the podcast index... Will you be supporting the cross-app commenting that's recently been implemented by a few of the other apps? I'm very curious about that because, yes, I I would like to. I think right now we are really at the beginning. Things are are moving and changing, and I'm not sure I can work on it right now, but I think it's one of the next features that I will look into it. Thinking about when it will be stable and correctly implemented, it will be very nice, very cool, to have comments with timestamps, everybody listening to that. That moment of your show can see what other people commented exactly in that moment in any app they are using. It's another revolution by itself. A lot of the success of other platforms like YouTube have, have been built on users commenting the shows and the videos. So I think for podcasting, it would be very nice too. But it's really early right now. I'm looking into it, but I'm, I'm still not writing code for it. And your longer-term
1: plan with Customatic is is this something that's going to be your full-time thing going forward? Are you going to keep it or do you hope to sell it? Where do you see Castomatic down the road?
3: My plan is to continue working on that. I, I, I developed it out of sheer passion for podcasting. I had no real favorite I had some favorite apps to listen to podcasts, but none of those were satisfying me. And so Customatic was born a little out of that. It's the optimal podcast player for me. And if other people find the same benefit in using it, I'm really happy. So I'm not looking into an exit, into selling if Spotify tomorrow tells me Castamatic is better than their player and it is and they offer me a couple of millions I (laughs) I would think about it but I don't think it will it will never happen (laughs)
1: Brilliant. And Franco, please tell everyone where they can get the latest version of Customatic 8.
3: Customatic 8 is only on iOS, so on the App Store, if you search for Customatic, it comes right in front. We have a website. It's one version behind because uh, nobody almost looking for, for apps right now goes on on the web. If they go to, to usual search engines, if, if you look for some app on Google, usually the link to the page on the App Store comes before their own website, so just look for it on, on Google or on the App Store. I have to ask, because James has got a fancy new Google Pixel phone. Is there a plan to have an Android Oh no, not possible right now. N- nobody knows, but I'm really at point zero on developing on Android. I, I I don't even know right now what software, what IDE, what 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 programming language you have to use. So it would just to get to the point where customatic is right now would would need many years of work. So it's really difficult. But you never know if uh, somebody. One day will come and and tell me, "Hmm, I can work on it. No, don't worry. It's only James who
1: uses Android anyway. So it's not
3: a problem. (laughs) (laughs) It would be good to have that audience too, but it's really not possible for, for me alone. Franco, thank you so much for your time from beautiful Italy. Take care. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very
1: much.
0: Franco Soleri, who is the developer of uh, Castomatic, I've got it on my uh, iPod Touch. It's just a shame that, of course, it's not actually uh, available for Android, uh, not at least yet. Uh, But great to see value-for-value-added. Um might be good to see, you know, comments and stuff like that, but uh yeah, it looks it looks really neat. It looks really smart. So um you know, so I think uh, Franco's doing a good job there.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize he's a doctor by day and a developer by night. Quite quite exciting.
0: Yes, brilliant, isn't it? It's <coughs> amazing. Um and he was Yes, it's a very strange old thing.
1: He was also talking about bringing out or looking at least to bring out co-comments into version 9. So that will be good for them as well.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, any uh podcast Cast app, which looks as good as Castomatic uh, looks. You know, it supports uh, things like uh, episode images, and you know all of that stuff as well. Uh, anything that looks, you know, as smart as that, that also supports all of the podcasting 2.0 features that it can possibly do, um, would be really good. So, you know, the more of these new podcast apps that look really nice is, I think, a really good thing. You know, Fountain is a nice-looking podcast app. I think Castomatic is probably best of the bunch in terms of how it looks. So good to see, you know, that doing very well. Now it's that time, James.
1: It's the time
0: for booster ram corner. And now, as the French say, it is time for le boost. Oh, it is, yes. It's time for Boostergram Corner. And uh, thank you to a bunch of Boostergrams that we've had this week. A Boostergram, if you don't know, is a tip of some cryptocurrency with a little message that you can send through a decent new podcast app. If you don't have one of those podcast apps, podnews.net slash newpodcastapps. What uh, what have we got there? Adam Curry is talking about one of your friends there, uh, Sam.
1: Uh, yes, Mr. Kevin Marks, the inimitable and wonderfully uh, intelligent Kevin Marks, actually, who you don't like there because of OAuth, but otherwise uh, Adam says he's an unsung <laughs> hero of podcasting. I'm trying to think why he would be the unsung hero, but... Uh, can't remember what Kevin might have developed.
0: Ah, well, there you go. He's not, not anything to do with OPML, was he as well?
1: No, that was good old Dave Weiner. But uh, Kevin did come up with a lot of micro formats and he did a lot of work in the open uh, standards community. Yeah, so Kevin did a lot of good work.
0: Well, excellent. I noticed that he follows me, so maybe I might uh, ask him to uh, come on to this particular show. Thank you, Adam, for your uh, boost. 5,000 sats sent using CurioCaster, which is uh, good of you. And another 2222 sats, that's all the little ducks sent using CurioCaster as well. Um, He's um, picking us up over the mention of Odeo, which I made last week, um, around, of course, uh, Odeo, which is the thing that eventually. Turned into Twitter, that um, Ev was the boss of Ev and Jack. Adam says Odeo never launched; they pivoted to become Twitter. I disagree with the Podfather here because I think that they did launch, and in fact, I've got the proof because I've got the emails still in my Gmail account (laughs) (laughs) from 2004 which is basically, you know, one of them is um, uh, asking me to change my password. Another one is um, some announcements from Evan Jack. Another one was um, some new features that they were doing. So I think that they did launch, but I don't think that Odeo existed for very long. I don't remember. And I think one of the big problems with Odeo was that there wasn't an easy way um, to get stuff from Odeo into your iPod at the time because there was, of course, no such uh, thing as an app uh so um i think odio's time uh Odeo was a bit too early um but i think that they did launch but they didn't launch for very long so um uh, i'll give you that uh, adam uh, thank you for that uh, tweet as well
1: maybe Odeo will become part of medium because they seem to be getting into audio who knows now uh we had one from uh mere mortals it says come on fellas there's only one other consistent booster grammar i was restricted by the breeze limit uh MM equals mere mortals. So did we say something wrong?
0: Yes, if you remember last week, we were there going, we're not quite sure who MM is, but thank you very much. Uh, It is, of course, Kyren from the Mere Mortals podcast, which is a very good podcast, which you should all go and have a listen to. And Kyren, sorry for not recognising MM being mere mortals now we know
1: and he's also interviewing the podfather this week i believe
0: oh yes he is yes which should be really interesting he um he does very good long-form interviews he he um does a lot of research having been interviewed by him he does a lot of research into the person who he is interviewing and one of the things that he has said to adam is i will try not to ask you the same old questions that you're always asked and uh, it must be quite frustrating for adam to always have to answer the same old questions time and time again what was it like at mtv uh, and all this kind of stuff so um so that should be pretty good so i'm looking forward to that it may already be out uh, who knows also a boostergram a brand new boostergram from brand new person called one fine play thank you very much one fine play they say would be awesome if you could set sat boosts to auto recur oscar merry oh right okay so um yeah, I think the way that you would do that is just to keep on listening to your friendly podcast. And that's probably a good thing. Anyway, they liked our interview with Clever FM and uh, they say, love to hear their approach. Peace and love, boys. Peace and love. Hashtag Anton Deck.
1: Yeah, this is not catching on. Uh, I am not taking that.
0: <laughs> this is not catching on. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. It's either Anton Deck or Bucks Fizz. <laughs> I'm not having either of those two things. Um, so thank you very much, and finally, uh, Oscar Mary himself uh, boosting uh, four little ducks from fountain such high signal content in every episode can't miss a podland. Thank you so much, uh, Oscar. that's very kind of you. And now, as the French say, it is time for the So always really good to have so many Boostergrams um, from uh, lots of different people. Again, uh, as I say, podnews.net slash new podcast apps is where to find a decent podcast app that supports them. Um, and always really good to uh, hear from uh, Adam Curry as well, who is one of the OG, one of the old guard in terms of uh, podcasting, but um, quite rare in that he is both old guard in terms of he was there at the beginning, but is also really keen in moving the industry forward. So great to hear from Adam. And another one of those people is Leo Laporte, um, who uh, has put together uh, Twit, uh, the This Week in Tech network uh, for many, many years. Um, I last spoke to Leo uh, in, I think, uh, 2000 and... Maybe 2006, I got him speaking at a conference or other. Uh, But you managed to speak to the next best thing, uh, Sam, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I called up with Lisa Laporte, um, the CEO of Twit, also his wife as well. But she wasn't his wife when they were working together originally. Uh, Lisa basically gave me the time, which was great. I'm a big fan of Twit. I have been for many years. Um, It's 15 years Ago That they started the podcast network. So they're quite prescient in their timing. Mm. Uh, when many people dropped off the cliff with podcasting, they kept going. Um, and yeah, it was yeah. great. Well, she talked about CPM rates, the revenue they're generating, and how they keep which shows and which shows don't. So yeah, I asked Lisa... First of all, tell me, what is Twit TV?
2: Twit was created by Leo Laporte, who's the founder of the network. And um, for full disclosure, he's also my husband. And he created this network because he wanted to cater to this particular audience. We want to cater to the tech enthusiasts and those that eat, breathe, live, consume, and work in tech. So we are a podcast network. We have 13 shows at this particular time. We reach over 30 million downloads a year just on our shows. It doesn't count all of the other their subsidiary things we have broken off. We have a tech break feed that provides that quick tech hit for those that just want their tech in short sound bites. And during the pandemic, we've launched Club Twit because we do have fans, as you know, that are security focused and they don't want to be tracked. And we are an ad supported network. So we've launched Club Twit to provide people with all of our content ad free and a discord room. And we do a few extra special fun things there. So Twit was really founded to cater to people in tech and the tech enthusiast. And that's what we do. We really focus on that. And all of our hosts are journalists. And if they're not journalists, they work in the field because sometimes that's what you need. And we love what we do. And we love super serving our audience.
1: Now, how long has Twit been going?
2: Twit? was founded in 2005. So I'd say we're one of the first podcast networks that was out there. And we pretty much have stayed true to our roots and what we do. The only exception is we've always been audio, but we've added video to all of our shows. And we've just done a better job in curating our content to really just super serve everybody.
1: Okay. I'm a fan of Twitter, have been since its beginning when you were in the brick house. So my question is when you do live, do you then edit the audio in the podcast.
2: To answer your question, how do we put out our podcast? The answer is no, we just don't put out our podcast. I consider us the gold standard in podcasting. We super serve our audience by, of course, recording it live to tape, but then we do take the time to go through it. We edit it. We triple check our commercials because we do sell ads within the content of our shows. I'd like to knock on wood because uh, we haven't had a mistake in two years in releasing our shows. We're very careful in making sure that the ads are correct, that the content is accurate that we have the right lower thirds on everything because when you have that visual component it really takes a lot longer to edit a show just to make sure that you have everything in it that you need to have there so we record everything it goes to an editor they actually take the time to edit every single show the producer then double checks then we have a continuity person that comes in and does a final check before the show wow. is published and then once the show is published because we publish everywhere. We then have to check the feeds to make sure nothing broke publishing to the thousands of different platforms that we publish to. It's quite an intricate process, but I think we've mastered having fewer people behind the camera than in front of the camera. A lot of studios, I go into TV studios, there's 50 people working, there's three people in front of the camera. You go into our studio, there'll be four people in front of the camera and two people running it it, to make it all work. So we've spent a long time really figuring out how to lock down cameras so we can just switch to cameras and have one technical director and one producer, of course, watching the show. Our biggest show is Twit. We record it on Sundays. It's roughly two to two and a half hours long, and that's probably our longest show. It runs two hours, sometimes two and a half hours. So it depends on the nature of the show. A show like iOS Today, it's highly visual, 50% of our audience watches that show. So with that show, the edit can take longer because we're showing tips and tricks on iOS. So it depends on the nature of the show, on how long it takes to edit. We're pretty careful in that we try to follow the format of the show so the ads are done within the body of the show, so it takes less time to edit and push out the show. But a show can take anywhere from an hour and a half to edit to four hours to edit, depending on all the visual components that go into it. And that's what makes it harder than just doing an audio-only podcast. If it was audio-only, it's super easy just to check it and publish it. But with the visual aspects to our shows, it does take longer. So it just depends on the show. And then if the producer finds something, we may have to pull back in the host to pre-record something differently before we can publish a show. We're really blessed with an amazing team. We're a very small network. Uh, We only have 15 full-time employees, but we work with a lot of independent contractors.
1: You said earlier, was you've got 13, you flexed at one point up to 20. Yes. Tell me, What is the criteria? Where's your cutoff line? Is it that you've got 10,000 people, 100,000 people? Is there a number? We don't think that show's working.
2: I would say it's a combination of a few things. Number one is that if the audience isn't growing, then yes, that is something we'll take a look at and we'll see, is the content not correct? Is it the host? What are we doing? Should we do more promotion around it? We take a look at a few things before we actually just go in. Typically for us, most podcasters are happy if they get to two to 3,000 downloads per episode. They're like, Mm -hmm. ooh. We made it. For us, the benchmark is typically around ten thousand. We like to see a podcast get to that, but we will give it time to actually grow. And then we also see if it's palatable to, you know, sponsors. Can we get sponsorship to help support the shows? Mm Because when your ad supported, it's really dependent upon can I find an advertiser for this show. So sometimes too, we keep shows just because it's the right show to have on our network. It's super serving our audience. So even if the show is not fully paying for itself. The rest of the network can and it's a show we should definitely keep so i wouldn't say it's as cut as dry as to just go oh is the show making it or not making it but definitely ten thousand is typically where we want to hit with an audience and then that will definitely be where we want to be to make sure that it's something we can keep going and how we look for content is we pull our audience once a year that survey's coming up in january mm-hmm we're extremely careful about not invading our audience's privacy. It's super, super important for us. People want us to put pixels all over our website. They want to track our audience to this horrible degree. And we're like, no. So once a year, we honestly put out a survey and we ask our audience, hey, would you tell us a little bit about you that we need for going out to pitch advertisers? But we also ask our audience, what would you like to see? What are your favorite shows? What can we do better? So that's where we get our feedback from our audience. And believe it or not, we we get about 10,000 responses within a few weeks. I typically cut the survey off then because I want to just get that metrics in and take a look at what we can do. And that's where we find out like, hey, what are you interested in? And you know, I'm excited to say we have a new show that we're going to be launching in Q1. And as soon as we have everything worked out, we'll be announcing it. But our goal is to launch it the first week of the month. So we're going to start teasing that out a little bit. And we're starting to get back in growth mode. Now that the pandemic hit, I think everybody felt that,
0: yeah. <laughs> especially
2: ad supported networks. And um, so we're just now finally stabilizing after the pandemic and it's time to start growing and ratcheting up our network.
1: Okay. One of my questions was going to be, how do you see 2022? Clearly you see it very positively. I know Leo reads ads at the beginning of the show and through the show. Do you also use dynamic ad insertion? Have you moved over to that as a format?
2: We haven't moved over to that, but I have added it to enhance our network. When the pandemic hit, I lost 70% of our advertisers in two weeks was brutal. And it made me realize we were too one-dimensional. We think our host-read ads are the best. I will admit we are probably one of the highest podcast networks in the industry, but we actually do an amazing job for our sponsors. There's a goodie bag around it. We only sign sponsors that fit our audience. So having said that, we prefer an em- embedded ads. We feel they do the best. However, the pandemic did teach me a few things. So we have added a partnership with Megaphone. So we do allow them on the back end to dynamically insert ads that they sell. I haven't started selling it yet. So if we have unsold inventory in our audio feeds only, they flow through Megaphone and we've allowed them to sell them with strict parameters around what advertisers they can partner with, et cetera. And so we've had some residual income coming in on that and that's been helpful. But every year I look at switching fully to dynamic ad insertion, and I honestly don't see the benefit for what we do and for what we do for our partners doing that. We over deliver on our ad reads. We don't under deliver. We have a two ad model per episode <laughs> that a lot of people don't do. And the unaided recall is 65 to 80% higher because of it. We do less advertisers, but two ads for each advertiser. And we just find that ad model has surpassed the one ad per episode in the dynamic ad insertion. And I actually own an agency. So I've bought for several other clients across the board. Our ad model has outshined anything else I've tested in the market. So yes, we are touching dynamic ad insertion, but it's really for residual income for unsold inventory on our podcast. So it's not something we have put front and center.
1: So could you tell us what sort of CPM rates you're charging? Because the industry right now, I think is around $23 CPMs.
2: I'm not sure where it's going to go. I've seen a lot of fluctuation in the market. So, I partner with a lot of our other networks. We share rate cards. We talk about what other people are doing in the industry. And we start at a $20 CPM and our highest show is at a 50. And that okay. is for one ad. Then we have a two ad model. So if you really look at the effective CPM, it's probably between 40 and $100. So we are not at base model of where podcasts are, but I have partners that have been on our network since inception. And we have partners that have been on our network for five, six, seven, eight years that continue to renew with us because of the quality of what we do. Honestly, it's our audience too. We have the qualified audience. Mm -hmm. And as they're continuing to introduce new services and features and benefits, a long-term partnership with us resonates. And our audience is continuing to go to those partners. So yeah, we're not at the bottom at all. I have looked around at all the other kits. We're in the top tier of what people chart for podcasting. And we pretty much sell out. We're sold out for this year. I think Q1 will be sold out probably by the end of November. And the upfront sales are already underway. We've already sold about 1.5 million for next year. And my target for next year is 7 to 8 million, depending if I can sell naming rights. Or not.
1: In terms of your split, how big is your audience now internationally? Is that a growing audience for you or is it mainly US?
2: No, our audience is growing in the US and internationally. We're roughly 70 to 75% in the US, depending on the show. And internationally, it's about 25 to 30%. I will say the bulk of the downloads are in Canada, UK, Australia. So English speaking countries probably make up 95% of our downloads and then 5% everywhere else. I will partner with with pretty much anyone. We've partnered with Audible, doing a few of our podcasts that they were putting in different languages in like Chinese and Russian and a few other things like that. As markets open up, I definitely want my audience to continue to grow elsewhere. But we're mostly in English-speaking countries, and we've been growing pretty regularly across all countries. So it's still roughly about that split
1: couple of questions Lisa twitter spaces live audio clubhouse that sort of thing is that an area that you guys are looking into as a another platform maybe to broadcast on
2: we've watched clubhouse grow and dabble and i think we pirated from that so if people are looking for that kind of clubhouse environment we have that with our twit club that we've launched so we have a discord channel in our club twit and within that I will do an inside twit with Leo, give a state of where twit's at, where we're going. So we'll do that for our club. We're doing a book club today with Stacey Higginbotham on this week in Google. She's doing a book club in club twit. We also have within that club, we do an open source show on Saturdays. So there's all kinds of activities going in there. That's very similar to what clubhouse is doing. So I think that's probably the platform we're going to be doing the, those one-offs in. So we're added that community because we have fans that just like they want to hang out with us and they want to do things with us just like Clubhouse. So that's why we created that. So I would say we're not going to go to a Clubhouse platform. We've been actually doing that within our own club.
1: So, are you planning to do live events again now that COVID is under control?
2: I, I would say we're skipping CES in, in 2022 for next year. I, I don't think I think it's still a little too soon. I want to make sure our staff is protected. We do have people with some compromised immune systems here, so eventually we will want to reopen to the public at some point next year. We're not sure when. We're definitely going to play it by ear. And yes, I am dying to get out to a live event. I am tired of Zoom I'm tired of seeing people virtually. It's like when I see people now, I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot how tall you were. (laughs) Things like that. So yes, we would love to do some live events and get back out in the public. And as soon as we feel it's safe, we're definitely going to do that. Probably next summer, I would like to have something where we can open the studio and just invite all of our fans to come in. And yes, we would love to do more live events again. So it's, it's definitely on the horizon, but we're in this, you know, wait and see.
1: So my final question is, when are you going to sell to it? Or is it so much Leo is twit, therefore it makes it hard to sell?
2: We did entertain that. We were looking, we had quite a few partners reaching out to us before the pandemic hit and saying, hey, we're interested, we're interested. And, you know, we've looked at a few of those deals and consider it, but we feel like if that happens and we lose what I feel the magic of Twit is. And yes, Leo, he may not be thrilled I'm saying this, but he turned 65 this year, as a matter of fact, in a couple weeks. And we have already pivoted him off of a few shows. So I think our long-term goal with Twit is Leo will always want to broadcast. I can't see Leo retiring entirely ever, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. And I wouldn't want him to. He loves it. I've never met a person who loves entertaining and giving back to his fans more than this man. So he will always want to do something. So our goal for Twit is to replace Leo and start pulling him out of more and more shows until he's ready to finally step back entirely so I feel we have hired some amazing people we have Jason Howell on our network I'm mm-hmm. looking at him to take over some things Micah Sargent joined us a couple of years ago I'm also we're grooming him to do things I have my eyes on a few other people and they know who they are we've been in discussions. And our entire intent will probably be to allow Leo to start to pull back and then bring in hosts that will want to take over the shows, as well as, you know, we have some other hosts that have partnered with Leo for years that wanting to retire at some point. And so we'll be looking for those hosts as well. So I think it would be our long-term goal to keep Twit and grow it within the, the hosts we have, add a few more hosts, and possibly stay independent. There's not that many independent podcast networks anymore, everybody is sold or has gone somewhere. And we like the control, we can try things and we can test things. And I don't think you get that if you are partnered with somebody who's all about the bottom line. And Mm. so, I don't know, I can't say, we would say no, if the right opportunity came out, but it's really not our goal. Our goal is to continue to super serve this particular niche audience. And that's what we want to do.
1: Brilliant. Lisa LaPorte, CEO of the Twit Network. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, it was a pleasure to be here. And tell everyone, just check us out. Twit.tv, our content's free to everyone and anyone that has an internet connection. And if you decide I really want something more, join Club Twit. It's $7.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Lisa. Lisa Laporte from the twit.tv podcast network. Uh, Leo Laporte actually followed me this week on uh, Twitter, which I was thrilled by because I am quite a fan. I did consider... Uh, making a skinned version of PodNews.net uh, and calling it NetcastNews.net, um, but sadly somebody had bought NetcastNews.net, so I couldn't do that, and that would have been frankly two hours for a twenty uh, for a twenty second gag. Um, but uh, Leo, of course, went through a stage of wanting to call them all Netcasts, which was um, a brave thing to do, and sometimes brave things don't work. Um, but I'm a massive fan of uh, Leo so great to see him following me on twitter
1: yeah the original tra- uh, strap line was netcast you love from the people you
0: trust <laughs> that's right except in leo's voice which is a little bit more impressive <laughs> thanks <laughs> uh, indeed
1: yeah. i'm not available for voiceovers that i just thought i'd mention that <laughs>
0: Indeed. So, what are you link? Uh, what, what are you listening to at the moment, then, uh, Sam? Um, I've been listening to
1: a couple of uh, podcasts that you recommended. Actually, the first one was the last days of Maradona, and I, I thought I'd listen to it because it's the first ever Spotify to launch in six markets simultaneously. Um, they've done something quite interesting. They've. Uh, partnered up with various hosts in various markets to talk about Maradona. And it struck me that you've got Thierry Henry, the famous French footballer. um, And I didn't recognise many Mm -hmm. of the others, though, that they clearly are famous in their own countries. But what is this launch in six markets simultaneously It sounded interesting. So that's why I thought I'd have a dip in.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting because it's the first ever Spotify launch in six markets. It is not just um, a bunch of shows which have been translated into uh, different languages, which is the Wondery way of doing things or was the original Wondery way of doing things. This is um, six markets simultaneously and each of the hosts have done their own work as well. Um, to put their own spin on things. So Thierry Henry, of course... um Does it both in France and in the UK? um, Because, uh, of course, he's a very well-known UK player as well. Uh, But then, of course, you've got uh, you know an Argentine football player um, who's uh, been doing some uh, stuff for Spain and Latin America. You've got a Brazilian journalist and an Italian actor, and so on and so forth. And I just thought it was a very interesting thing. One of the things I keep on talking about in terms of international expansion is not to just do. a automated transcript version, um, or just to get a um, a local uh, voice actor to do some of the parts, but to actually put a bit of your own culture into it. So it's interesting seeing that Spotify have been doing that sort of thing. That must have
1: taken a lot of budget to produce that one.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm absolutely sure it did. Um, <laughs> you know, but I think that's one of the benefits of Spotify's 3.5 billion dollars uh, that they can do. Um, some large uh, things like that. Uh, it's produced by Adonde Media, and Adonde Media is one of the um, the uh, perfect companies to do this uh, this uh, sort of thing. They've done a bunch of these sorts of things in the past, so um, really good to um, you know see a bit more of that going on,
1: James that's about it for this week but before we do go what else has happened for you in podland
0: oh so i ended up um this morning i ended up uh, uh, driving um with my microphone and my headphones um to find a quiet car park somewhere because uh, there's a lot of renovation going on in, in this house lots of walls being taken down and um and all of that and i needed somewhere quiet to record the sound off podcast what i learned which is with matt Kundel, which comes out i think next week what i learned is that um, driving up to the top of a hill may be a nice quiet place in terms of parking, but it isn't a very good place in terms of mobile reception, because you're at the top of a hill, you've got lots of coverage, yes, but it's, it's all useless coverage, because as soon as you try using it, it doesn't work. Um, so I ended up having to drive most of the way down the hill again. I found this Brilliant, brilliant car park, which was, uh, it's normally full over the weekend of weekend walkers. It was just me and one other car. And I thought, this is great, and there's uh, coverage here, I'm in proper 5G coverage here, so this is great, Um, it's perfect, there's just one other car, in there, all the way over there. And as soon as I started getting my microphone out and everything else, um, then all of a sudden the sound of the saxophone from the other car started, (laughs) and it was a guy who was practising his saxophone. (laughs) And bless him, he was doing it in the middle of nowhere so that he didn't annoy the neighbours, and of course the one neighbour he was annoying was me. So, um... Yeah, so that was fun. So uh, I'll be on the Sound Off podcast with Matt Cundle, uh next week, which is a Canadian podcast all about radio and podcasting. And I was also on Radio New Zealand over the weekend, um, where essentially I was shouted at by an old lady who uh, was very upset that um, 20 years ago I had invented the first uh, streaming radio app. And apparently radio's demise is all my fault. Oh, right. uh, so that was, an, that was an enjoyable 23 minutes. Um, what's uh, happened for you over the last week and what's happened happening for you over the next few weeks, Sam Sethi?
1: Well, I, I still can't tell you why I went to Manchester, but all I can tell you is my liver was destroyed at four in the morning. Uh, there's a story there. <laughs> oh,
0: okay.
1: But that's yes. that's that's between you and I, James, and no one ne- else needs to know. Um, but no. I did buy uh, two of the new Rode um, Lavia mics. They brought out Lavia 2 um and they're great little mics that go on the end of your iPhone uh if you want to do outdoor broadcast recording or interviews.
0: Yeah, no they they do look very smart, the lavalier. I never know how to pronounce it. Lavalier, lavalier. Anyway, uh those ones that you clip onto your uh, onto your clothes. Yes. Uh they they do look very smart. 99 uh US dollars. Um it's a smart thing and an Australian company. So good on them. And that's it for this week. Thank you to Lisa Laporte and Franco Solerio for being our excellent guests. I should tell you next week, if you are a fan of understanding how music licensing works, my goodness, we've got a guest for you. Winslow Bright will be on. She does that sort of thing for a living. And uh, it's a great listen. So uh, look out for that.
1: Please follow Podland in your podcast app and on Twitter at Podland News. Uh, you can also find previous shows on the web at www.podland.news.
0: If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter is free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app, and all the stories we've discussed on Podlands today are in the show notes. And we use chapters too.
1: Our music is from Ignite Jingles, and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends
3: at Bus Brown. Keep listening.